0: Thank you
1: your copy of God's Word. I'm about to get excited up here. Uh, Take your copy of God's Word and be turning to the book of Acts this morning. Uh, The story of the early church, the book of Acts. Finding himself desperately in need of money, a man went to the city zoo hoping to find a job feeding the animals. Sadly, there were no openings available at the time, but the manager noticed the size and strength of the applicant, and so he suddenly got an idea. He said to the man applying to the job, he said, you know, there are few creatures who attract more attention at the zoo than a gorilla, but unfortunately, one of them died yesterday. If we got you a special suit, would you be willing to imitate a gorilla for a few days. Well, the hungry man agreed to try. I mean, when you're desperate, you're desperate. And actually, he was quite successful as he beat his chest and as he bellowed and as he shook the bars of his cage, much to the amusement of the visitors who noted they had never seen a gorilla with such intelligence before. Well, one day, he was uh, swinging on his trapeze and he accidentally lost his grip and he landed in the lion's den. And the lion let out a ferocious roar. Well, the man realized he was in trouble. And so he backed away from the lion. And he realized that he couldn't cry out for help because if he cried out for help, he'd give himself away because here he is dressed up as the gorilla. So he backed up. He retreated, hoping to crawl back over the fence into his own cage. But the lion, however, followed right behind him. And finally, he could stand it no longer. He didn't care about blowing his cover. He just cries out, Help! And immediately, the lion said in the undertone, Shut up, stupid. You're going to get us both fired. (laughs) You know, six months ago... By the way, boys and girls, don't say shut up and don't say stupid. I don't want to get in trouble for that. I'm just quoting the man. Six months ago, none of us knew we would be here today wearing masks. None of us knew we'd be going through what we're going through at the moment. Uh, some have even become very fashionable. You know, masks are now a fashion statement. And you can purchase masks, and, and maybe you've gotten into that. I don't know. I know that masks are a very controversial subject. Um, there can be heated debates and heated discussions when it comes to masks. But you know what I've found? Lots of people love to wear masks. Now, I'm not talking about lions and gorilla masks. I'm not even talking about medical masks. Don't let the graphic mislead you today. I couldn't help but put that up there, what we're dealing with. I'm not talking about that kind of mask at all. I'm talking about people wearing masks pretending to be what they are not, trying to appear in a way that's not real, a mask that they wear, trying to cover up the real person. Now, I got to thinking, why do people do that? Why do people wear masks? Why do they try to put, I'm not talking about a medical mask, but a mask that kind of hides the real them, a plastic smile or or whatever. Well, you know, some people probably wear a mask because they struggle with self-acceptance. There's things about themselves they don't like, and so they kind of put forward a front because they're insecure. Others, I think they wear a mask because of fear. Some wear a mask because of pride. They don't want the real self to shine through. Uh, I'm sure there are many, many reasons why people wear masks And sadly, did you know people wear masks in church as well? People try to appear more spiritual and more holy than they actually are. Sometimes people paste on a smile when they come to church and they have a smile. And they wear a smile at church. When the truth of the matter is, deep down inside, they're hurting more than words can even tell. And this goes on so much. At times, they'll come to church and they're hurting and they've got their plastic smile on. And they look around at everybody else. And there are other people there that are also wearing their mask and wearing their plastic smile. And a person could feel very, very alone. They might think this way. I'm the only person that's really struggling. I'm the only person that doesn't have it together. I'm the only person that's not quite right. It's not one of their well-known songs, I guess, but Casting Crowns wrote a song about that one time. Here are the words. Is there anyone that fails? Is there anyone that falls? Am I the only one in church today feeling so small? Because when I look around, everybody seems so strong. I know they'll soon discover that I don't belong. So I tuck it all away like everything's okay. Okay. If I make them all believe it, maybe I'll believe it too. So with a painted grin, I'll play the part again so everyone will see me the way that I see them. And then the chorus goes, Are we happy plastic people under shiny plastic steeples with walls around our weakness and smiles that hide our pain? But the imitations open to every heart that's been broken. Maybe then we close the curtain on our stained glass masquerade. And I'm afraid there's a lot of stained glass masquerading that goes on. And beloved, what we need to do today is tear away the mask and be real and be ourselves and quit pretending and be genuine. Now, I know there are times in which we should be serious and somber. And there are other times we should be just outright silly. I'm not talking about not understanding the difference. What I'm saying is to be real no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the setting, no matter whether we're laughing or crying, it will really be us. It will be the real us. We'll be genuine. Warren Wearsby... Pastor and author, he's in heaven now, died, I think it was last year. He wrote a famous set of Bible commentaries and lots of Bible studies. And his theories was called the B-Series, kind of based on his name, Warren Weir's B. And so his Matthew book was called Be Loyal, and Philippians was Be Joyful, and Revelation was Be Victorious. And when he wrote his autobiography, he called it, what else? Be Myself. Be Myself. And there's a couple of sentences I want you to hear from his autobiography. That you need to hear. Graduates, you need to hear this as well. If life is to have meaning, and if God's will is to be done, all of us have to accept who we are and what we are, give it back to God, and thank Him for the way He made us. What I am is God's gift to me. What I do with, my, what I do with it is my gift to Him. Listen to what he says. For years, i had been silently complaining to myself and to the Lord because I was an athlete, wasn't an athlete or a mechanic. But instead, I had interests different from most of my peers. But after I became a Christian, I began to see that athletics and mechanics weren't in God's agenda for me. Miss Jablonski, this is one of his teachers, made a difference in his life. Miss Jablonski had been right when she told him, do a lot of reading and writing, spend your life with words, and that's what I've been doing. And so for years he struggled with the fact that he wasn't an athletic person, he was not mechanical, but he was good with words, and finally he accepted it and used it, and he's blessed countless numbers of Christians throughout the years, and continues to do so even though he is in glory today. Now, our couple that we're going to read about, they were wearing a mask. They were hiding behind a mask. They were trying to be someone they were not. You're in the book of Acts. If you haven't found it yet, if you would find chapter 5 of Acts, Acts chapter 5. I want to read a very interesting story to you from the early church. It's a true story. Um, Not a pleasant story, but a true story. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself?'" While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young man arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now, it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Verse 9 says, Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last, and the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Here's what I want to do today. I want to give you the outline Then we'll walk through it together. And then I'm going to draw some lessons at the end. So the outline is really simple today. It's simply this. Selling, giving, lying, and dying. Selling, giving, lying, and dying. I'm going to walk you through those four things. Then I'm going to draw some lessons at the end. So stay tuned. First point, selling. Notice the first word of the passage is the word but. That means there's a contrast here. And so to understand what the contrast is, we have to go back to the previous chapter, chapter 4. If you go back to chapter 4, verses 36 and 37, you'll find that Barnabas, the son of encouragement, he had sold some land, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So Barnabas sold some land, brought the money, laid it at the feet of the apostles, and then we move to chapter 5, and it says, but Ananias and Sapphira sold some land. And they also gave to the church. But the problem, beloved, is they did not give it all to the church, but they wanted it to look like they gave it all to the church. Now, be honest with you, this is not a pleasant passage of Scripture, but it's a needful one. It will cause us as believers, if you're a follower of Christ, to really examine your life and your motives and really consider your actions when you consider what happens here. Furthermore, this passage reminds me, this is an inspired book. Because if I were writing the story of the early church, I don't know that I would include this particular story. It doesn't shine well. It doesn't look well. I might just leave it on the cutting room floor. But God put this chapter in and He put this story in and He wants us to learn some lessons from it. Oh, if only Ananias and Sapphira would realize that they would be remembered and they would be noted but not for the reason they thought they would be. And here we are all these years later, we're still talking about Ananias and Sapphira, but not in the way in which they wanted it to be. In fact, quite the contrary. Now I want to establish right up front that I believe that this couple, they were believers. I believe that they're believers. I think we'll see them in heaven. You can disagree if you want. That's fine. We're not going to argue over it. I just personally believe they were believers. But they got caught up in the sin of hypocrisy, being hypocrite, hypocrisy, hypocrisy. So what does that mean? Well, hypocrisy means wearing a mask, playing the actor. It means you're playing a part. You're not real. You're not genuine. And they wanted to appear more generous than they actually were. Maybe they heard about Brother Barnabas and his generosity. And as they thought about Barnabas and realized, well, Barnabas was noted. And people are talking about Barnabas. We want to be noticed too. We want to be well thought of. There are folks, you know, that will give just to be seen of men to be seen of others. There are those who do things because they want to be recognized. I think in the case of Ananias and Sapphira, we're dealing with pride. And you know what the Bible says about pride? Proverbs 16, 18, and 19, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with a lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. And talk about an illustration of pride going before a fall. That's Ananias and Sapphira. Their pride led to a fall. I mean, they fell Dead. Can you hear this couple kind of arranging this plan in their mind? Maybe they were sitting by the fire one night and Ananias looks over at his wife fire and says, You know, honey, we have such a, such a land. And uh, I got to thinking, you know, Barnabas, he sold his land and, and he gave it to the church. And, and maybe we ought to sell the land and give it to the Lord's work as well. And so they did. They sold the land. So we have selling, but then we move to the next part, where is the giving part. And verse 2 says they did bring some of the money and they laid it at the apostles' feet. Probably a pretty good-sized chunk of money because, I mean, they didn't want people to be, be very obvious that they were keeping back. And so he sold the possession, he took the money, and we're not told why they didn't go to the meeting together, but Ananias sets out to present his gift to the apostles. And he's got his bag of money. Can you see Ananias just headed that day and he's got his money. I don't know how he carried it, but maybe he kind of carried it out where everybody could see it. And he's strutting along with his bag of money because he's going to go lay this at the apostles' feet just like Barnabas did. And I want to be seen by men. I want to be noted. I want to be talked about. I want to be recognized. I got my money. I'm bringing it. And he brings it. He lays it there at the apostles' feet. And uh, he didn't get the response he was expecting. You know, as I uh, read this story, I couldn't help but think about the fact that the Lord takes note of our giving. You remember the story in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Let me read it to you in NLT. It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. By the way, who would have thought we'd have collection boxes? We've got one now. we got two, actually. But he sat down near the collection box in the temple and he watched as crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and she dropped in two small coins And the story says that Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. Well, how can that be? I mean, they put in large sums. I mean, they put in a thousand. She put in two pennies. I mean, how could she give more than all? And then Jesus said this in verse 44. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. Poor as she is. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. She gave it all. It's a reminder, beloved, that God only sees how much we give. He also sees how much we keep. And the Lord knew that day when Ananias came with his money, jingling, wanting people to go, He knew that wasn't all the money they got for that land. And it reminds me the Lord is interested in the way we use our money, the way we spend our money and give our money and save our money. He's interested in it. So we have this whole idea of selling and giving, and now we come to the sad part lying. You know, Ananias put that money down, maybe stepped back, wanting to hear some commendation from Peter, but he didn't get to hear what he wanted to hear. He didn't hear Peter say, Brother Ananias, how generous, what a great sacrifice, bless you, thank you for, for doing that, such sacrificial giving. No, it says in verse 3 that Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back a part of the price of the land for yourself? In other words, Peter knew all along what was going on because the Holy Spirit was instructing. And I want you to see how serious this is. In verse 4 it says, while it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own control? Why do you conceive this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. You lied to God. And by the way, the problem was not selling the land, and the problem was not giving part of the money. The problem was appearing to give all of the money. They could have sold the land, and said, We're going and get part of the money, but no, they sold the land and wanted to be deceitful about it and deceive God and others and appear to give it all. And he lied about it. It was Oliver Wendell Holmes who said, "Sin has many tools." But a lie is the handle which fits them all. Lie is the handle that fits them all. And he made a choice here. The choice was his. Ananias sold it. And he mentions that Satan's behind it in verse 3. Peter did. And John eight forty four says that Satan is the father of lies. But he's still responsible, because he conceived it in his own heart, it says there in verse four. He was responsible. And Christian, can I just remind you, if you and I sin, we do so by choice. The devil can't make us sin Christian. We choose to sin. Look at what First Corinthians 10:13 says, "The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, watch it. He will show you a way out so you can endure. There's a way of escape. You're not bound to sin. And sometimes the way of escape is to run! Flee youthful lust, it says. But there's a way out. And so Ananias and Sapphira, they're responsible here. Somebody said sin adds to your troubles, subtracts from your energies, and multiplies your difficulties. Oh, that's a true sentence. Can you imagine the expression on Ananias' face as he puts his money down and steps back and instead of hearing commendation, he hears the words, Why have you lied to God? Brethren, we need to wake up. The enemy would love nothing more than to use you or use me to harm the body of Christ, to harm the church, to harm the bride, to harm other Christians. He'll gladly use us if we'll let him. Well, we have selling and giving and lying, and now we come to dying. Can you imagine being there at that day? I just want you to put yourself in the sandals. Look at what it says in verse 5 and 6. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out and buried him. Now, thank God he does not do that every for every act of hypocrisy, to kill us on the spot. If so, every church would have a, have a morgue in the basement. We would have to build a morgue so we could transport bodies from the sanctuary to the basement. And I would be one of those bodies. Because the truth of the matter is hypocrisy can come in our lives in so many ways. So many ways. We like to pretend we like to be something we're not. We go to the gym, we suck in our gut. We buy things we don't need to impress people, things we cannot afford. We sing songs in church we do not mean. We pray prayers we do not really care whether we're praying or not. We give money out of begrudgingly and because we feel like we have to rather than because we love God. I mean, thank God he doesn't always judge that way because maybe none of us would be here even this moment. But I want you to realize, beloved, that sin is serious. This is not the only story in the Bible that talks about God judging sin immediately and severely. In Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, you have the story of Nadab and Abihu. They were the sons of the priest Aaron. And they put strange fire in their censer. And it says that fire went out from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. You say, oh, that's Old Testament. Well, First Corinthians chapter 11 talks about the Lord's Supper. And in chapter 11, verse 30, it says, because they were abusing the Lord's Supper, that is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died because they were abusing the Lord's Supper. And God actually brought judgment there. But the truth of the matter is, you know, think about it. They kept that part of the money and not know how big a bag they kept for themselves. But do you realize they didn't get to spend much of it, if even any of it? as they rushed off to give their gift and be praised. God judged swiftly and they fell dead. Now, if only the story ended here, but it doesn't. We have a repeat performance. The young men took him out, buried him. And you have now Sapphira coming in and she lies, she dies. And the young men come and they get back. They say, I've got another body for you. They wrapped her up, took her out, and buried her next to her husband. If I was one of those young men, I wouldn't have come back the third time. I would have just stayed away. But this serious. serious. You say, well, what do you do with this story in 2020? I'm glad you asked. I want to give you seven lessons real quick. I'm going to give them to you quick because I know it's late. I'm not going to elaborate long. But seven lessons for you to take with you from this story. Number one, avoid the love of money avoid the love of money. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Can I just tell you there's nothing wrong with money. Nothing wrong with having money, making money, earning money, saving money, investing money. You got to have money to live, all of us. Nothing wrong with having money, but when money has you, you've got a problem. Avoid the love of money. It's not the only story in the Scripture. You go back to Joshua chapter 7, the story of Achan. He destroyed his life because of the love of what he saw, the possessions he took, and he caused the death of others, and he destroyed his whole family. And a horrible story, Joshua 7. Love of money. 2 Kings chapter 5, you got the story of Gehazi. I'm not going to tell you the story. I want you to go look it up and read it. But 2 Kings chapter 5. And then you know the story I'm about to tell you, many of you. We come to the New Testament, talk about love of money. There was a man by the name of Judas Iscariot who sold the Lord Jesus Christ for a pile of dirty money. And he didn't enjoy that money. The Bible says he went and tried to get it back, went out and hung himself and burst asunder. The Bible says it would been better if he'd never been born. The love of money destroyed him. And I can just tell you, everybody here today, listen carefully, and I'm listening myself. Money is the root of all kinds of evil. Avoid the love of money. So what do you do? How do you get rid of the love of money? Give it away. Give more away. Say, oh, you just want more for the church. No. Give it away to wherever you want to give it away. Help others in need. Help other ministries. But if money's got a hold in you, start giving. Start giving. It be amazing what happens in your life. But when we say this, though, give generously, but give honestly. Don't be like Ananias and Sapphira. Don't blow a horn and say, "I'm giving." Everybody know I'm giving. Might as well keep it. No, give generously, but give honestly. Yes, as a believer, you should give your tithes and offerings. But don't stop there. Give and ever how God leads you to wherever God leads you to, whoever God leads you to give to. They don't sound a horn in front of you. Give generously, but give honestly. And then thirdly, can I just tell you this? Be genuine. Be yourself. Be the best person you can be. There's only one of you. There's only one of me. Some say, well, praise God for that. But listen, there's only one. You're an original. You're the only one. There's only one of you. God has created you. God has made you. This deals with identity. And God created you and made you. We, we heard about the story earlier. God created Adam and Eve. God created all of us. Be genuine. Be yourself. Be the best self you can be. And then fourthly, fourth lesson. You ready? to give them to you quick. Remember how serious sin is. Remember how serious sin is. We, we, we treat it like a rubber toy snake. It's a rattlesnake. It'll kill you. It'll kill me. Sin is serious business. It's nothing to play with. It's nothing to toy with. Just ask Ananias Tephira. Just ask these people we talked about in Scripture. You can look around people that you know that destroyed their life because they gave in to sin. And so therefore, we need to deal with sin quickly. Lesson 5. Deal with sin quickly. If you have sinned, you mess up. We all do. Go to the Lord. Confess it. Repent of it. Get right about it. And examine your motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? Be honest with yourself. Number six. If you're wearing a mask today, rip it off. And not your medical mask. But that mask that you wear, where you pretend. Talk about reality today. You're hurting. You need help. You need people to speak into your life. You need people to help you. That's why we have the body of Christ. That's why God gave us the church. One of the reasons why. <coughs> so we can minister one to another. This deals with reality. I want you to hear me very carefully because I think there's a misconception here. You don't have to wear a plastic smile here. You don't have to wear a mask here. This is the body of Christ. And it's, it's time for us to be real with one another and help one another. And then number seven. Get right with God. That, of course, begins with salvation. If you don't know Christ, that's where it begins. Turning from your standing place and your faith in Christ. I invite you to do that today. But the message has been primarily today towards believers. Because even as believers, we still mess up, we still sin. We fall into the sin of hypocrisy and lying and greed and lust and all kinds of things. And so I don't know, as you heard the story today, as you talked, we talked about Ananias and Sapphira, I don't know what God said to you or what the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, but all I want to say to you is this, is, is obey whatever God's saying to you. I, I want to remind you something before we pray. We need to remember this. God has not changed. The Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever And when I read this story and I see what God thinks about something like this, I mean, think about it. Here's what they were guilty of. They literally sold some land. They gave probably most of the money. But because they were deceitful and lied about keeping some of the money, God judged them very swiftly. And they dropped dead. So that tells me then that God has not changed so that means he still thinks the same thing about this kind of sin and he takes it serious in my life and he takes it serious in your life so let me just ask you as we go to prayer today what's the holy spirit saying to you right now don't don't resist it it's time to be real it's time to be genuine it's time to come clean and say, Lord, this is in my life, that's in my life, this mode is wrong, this is wrong. And it's time to get right with God. One of the reasons God gave us this story is to learn from it. And can I just remind you, because you look at this story and you may forget, God loves you. And He wants the very best for you. So allow Him to have it in your life today. Would you pray with me, Father? Thank you for this story. Thank you for preserving our life. I should be dead this very moment. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the times you've given us a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance. There's some listening right now who don't know you. I pray your Holy Spirit to draw them to yourself. May they turn from their sin and place their trust completely and totally in Jesus Christ. But then, Lord, for those of us who know you, I pray the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts that we would listen, hear, and obey. I'm going to give you a moment while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and whatever it is that God's speaking to your heart about, both in this building and those listening next door, everybody's quiet everybody's still I want you to do business with God and talk to Him about whatever it is that He's put His finger on in your life today. I'm going to give you a moment to do that right now Lord, thank you that we can come to you just as we are. And you're the one that changes us and transforms us and makes us more like Jesus. So, Lord, during this whole invitation time, continue to work and move, I pray. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being patient with us. Help us now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I think this closing song's is the most appropriate one. You, a lot of you, if you grew up in church, you know the first part, just as I am. When we get to that bridge, I come broken to be mended. That could be your story today. So again, whatever God's saying to you, obey and respond. Let's stand together and
0: sing. Just as